At Colorado State University Global Campus, online education isn't another thing we do. It's all we do. Get an interactive education that's built for working adults like you and that employers demand. Explore your options at csuglobal.edu. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I want to thank you again for joining us for this documentary, RFID, Man's Greatest Invention, or Mark of the Beast. And last time, if you recall, we took a look at the second concern that I have with RFID, and that's what these corporations will do with this technology. And there we saw a series of lame excuses, and again, I'll use that word confidently, because as you saw, that's what they were, lame excuses as to why uh, we don't need to be afraid uh, of this RFID technology. And as we saw, they, they said, well, hey, don't worry about it. People aren't going to get that close to the tags in the first place. They, they said people won't be getting their own personal scanners. They're, they're going to have the information encrypted. They're, they're, they're going to have the, the tags disarmed. And, and oh, by the way, uh, you can trust the promoters of the RFID technology, these corporations. And then they flat out said they have no tracking plans and, and, and or they, they never said such a thing. Uh, it was a lie, as you clearly saw in the last study. But once we took a look at the facts, uh, and we took a look at the actual patents, and we took a look at their actual quotes, their words, not mine, we clearly saw, folks, it's true. As weird as it is, as invasive as it is, as creepy as it is, these corporations really are, dis despite these excuses, are planning on creating a horrible future uh, with this RFID technology. It's being used and going to be used to monitor and control not just all the products around the world, but even you and I, the people around the world. And again, it's not some wacky conspiracy theory. They admitted it. Once you do the homework, this really is what they're planning on doing right now. Which leads us, of course, now to the third concern that I have with RFID, and that is the dangerous deployment of it. Okay, now what we're going to take a look at, folks, is not just what RFID in theory can do, okay, but we're going to take a look now of the deployment of this technology, okay, and in some cases, they're already doing whether you realize it or not. It's already out there being used on you and I. And as you're going to see, folks, with your own eyes, RFID is not only going to cover every single sector of society. This is their plan. This is their goal. From the shoe to the zoo to the... To, to me and you, but it is going to enable them for the first time in mankind's history to have a truly global monitoring system of all people and all products, literally everything on planet Earth. And it's going to give them the ability to control whether or not we can buy or sell. Where have I heard that before? That's what the Bible calls the mark of the beast warning us nearly 2,000 years ago. It's all being put into place today. And the first area that RFID, this technology, is already being put into place is in the retail industry. Let's take a look at that. The help desk. Yes, it is. Maximus worried. Who's Maximus? I am Maximus. Why are you worried? Feathers. Feathers? Feathers, will they sell? I'm afraid not. Well, how do you know? Mining data from sales, news, blogs. Mining blogs? Where is this blog mine? No, data. Trend spotting. What do they say? Feathers are over. Ah! The Maximus over! One word. Chiffon. Chiffon? Now, folks, what you just saw was a little propaganda piece from IBM, and they admit that they're going to use this technology to not only monitor and track all the retail 
uh, throughout the entire uh, global retail chain. But as you saw and as you heard for yourself, folks, uh, they're going to use this technology to what? To mine our personal data, to monitor our shopping habits. So. Uh, so much so that it would give them the ability to actually make trend predictions. They could, they could predict our behavior, our shopping habits with this technology. And so the, I think the obvious question is, well, why? Why would you want to do that? Well, folks, you're going to see, believe it or not, <laughs> it's not just a further invasion of our privacy. It's going to give them the ability to personally market us and manipulate us into giving us, uh, them, even more of our hard-earned money. So let's take a look at what they're planning on doing with RFID in the retail industry. And folks, you tell me if that's not exactly what these corporations are up to. Let's take a look at that. And the first justification they try to give us is, hey, it's going to be great for the companies, naturally. You see, one of the biggest supposed justifications as to why we really need to have every single retail item on the planet tracked and monitored with RFID is they say this is going to be great for the companies and, and saving them time and money in a variety of ways. For instance, they say that if RFID is used in the retail industry, then this will enable their shelves to be monitored continuously to ensure that products are always on hand. And if they get low, then an alert can be sent instantly uh, back to the stock room or office and tell them to bring out more or order more immediately. Also, when any product is returned or exchanged, its RFID tag could be read and automatically added to the inventory, whereupon the employees who do the restocking could be told exactly where to place the item. Or the RFID tag could also let them know if the product instead needs to be returned to its vendor as in the case of a recall. In fact, having RFID in the retail industry could allow companies to automatically change shipments of products in route based on minute by minute needs. And hey, that's right. Talk about convenience. If fitting rooms are equipped with RFID readers, then they can identify the merchandise of a shopper brings in and trigger a video to start playing in the fitting room that describes the outfit for you and suggests accessories to go along with it and even see a person modeling it right before their very eyes. Or, to get even more personal, the system could then scan the shopper, you and I, or use the pictures of you and I uh, stored in a database so they can see themselves in the outfit. And speaking of nifty, uh, RFID in retail could be used to track employees to improve labor efficiency. For instance, store management could verify through an automated system that an employee was at the appropriate station at the start of the shift or at the end of a break so that managers automatically know if an employee spends too much time in the break room and therefore print out a report. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of ability uh, from your boss? I don't think so either. But let's continue on. Uh, and of course, since RFID can track and trace anything they're put on, this would overnight dramatically reduce counterfeit products and theft rates by automatically alerting management when an item coming in is phony or when an item is going out that hasn't been paid for, as seen in this next video demonstration. Retail stores that specialize in high-volume media such as videos, CDs, computer software, and video games often experience difficulties in managing inventory and preventing shrinkage. Accenture Technology Labs developed the physical media tracking prototype to demonstrate how real-time data can improve inventory tracking, increase employee efficiency, and identify sources of shrinkage. 
Present-day retail inventory management requires a significant amount of manual labor, which results in data that is often out of date or incomplete. The physical media tracking system uses radio frequency ID technology integrated with retail inventory management systems to provide real-time accurate data. This greatly streamlines the inventory management process. The prototype simulates a store environment that is fully equipped with RFID sensors and readers. The products in this case, CDs, are equipped with RFID tags which link to a database that contains information such as product name, manufacturer, and price. When products arrive at the store, they are instantly scanned by RFID readers and that information is uploaded instantly into the store's inventory management system. Products that once had to be counted by hand can be scanned in under a second. During the course of the day, the store manager can review the inventory system and see items that need to be shelved, pulled, or that are out of place. For example, the system guides store personnel through daily stock tasks. If the associate is asked to put three copies of a particular CD on the shelf, but only stocks two, then the system will show that one remains to be shelved. In retail settings, one of the biggest areas of customer complaints is not being able to find the items that they are looking for. The item might be in stock, but not where it's supposed to be. Physical media tracking can identify a CD that is on the wrong shelf and send a message to a sales associate to move it to its proper place. The system is continuously updated as tasks are completed. The prototype is also designed to help identify fraud and potential points of shrinkage. Imagine that a customer takes a CD off the shelf and tries to return it for a refund. The system will issue a warning that the CD has not been purchased. RFID readers at the store's exit can detect when people try to leave with items that have not been purchased. Over time, data collected about points of theft and shrinkage can be used to analyze and close security gaps. Physical media tracking can also be used to help retailers analyze where in a store items are being purchased, especially important for retailers that have the same product in multiple locations around the store. In addition to improve inventory management efficiency, the retailer can use the data from the system to generate new revenues. For example, the retailer can charge distributors for information about how their product moves through the store. Accenture Technology Labs envisions that the use of RFID technology will greatly increase the profitability in the retail marketplace. So as you can see in that video, he admits it. Once again, what's the motive? To be able to get more of our cash for us. But again, notice it wasn't just to monitor and track the products, but you and I, uh, people as well. But let's continue on. As you can see, companies are clearly excited about having RFID in the retail because they will clearly benefit from it in a variety of ways. But the question obviously is, will it really benefit you and I? Well, that leads us to the second justification. And they say, oh yeah, of course, it's going to be great for the consumers as well. Okay, and here's what they say. The monitoring and tracking of every retail item on the planet with RFID is not just good for companies. Hey, it's great for the consumer. And then they justify this by saying that, quote, RFID in the retail industry will not only save us time and money, just like the companies, but it will usher in an era of consumer convenience beyond our wildest dreams, like this article envisions. Here is the future that they're planning for you and I, quote, you're watching your favorite morning news show to see what's happening in the crazy world of technology. But the show is interrupted by commercials. So you think this is a good time 
for a cup of coffee. When suddenly, the face of your girlfriend shows up on the screen telling you to buy the latest model of MP3 player with a miniature hard disk of 1.5 terabyte and a weight of only 20 grams, suitable for any occasion. And of course, it's offered by Walmart. But you don't have time to think about that because the next commercial shows your best friend recommending to you the latest car model that's personalized according to your exact wishes you described to a car dealer just a couple days ago. But now uh, you're getting annoyed, so you turn off the TV set, but you forget to disconnect from the Internet. So now you hear your girlfriend's voice on the speakers of the stereo reminding you that the, only the best roses can be purchased at roses.com uh, for her upcoming birthday next week don't forget but this is interrupted by the doorbell as your friends arrive to take you to a baseball game at which the local stadium in which you don't worry about a ticket because they're no longer needed you just show up and walk in where your presence is automatically recognized how by an rfid reader and listen the cost is automatically debited from your account now stop right there. Once again, notice how this one technology not only can store information, can not only be used to track people or products, but it's linked to the financial abilities in order, where, in other words, to buy and sell exactly what's needed for the mark of the beast. Let's continue on. But there's a small crowd at the game. So you decide to, you know, cheat a little, unfortunately, and move down to the more expensive seats. And as you do, hey, none of the people who paid good money, big money for those uh, better seats are concerned about your behavior because they know apparently what you forgot. The more expensive seat automatically senses your presence too, and it promptly sends a signal back to the ticket office, which in turn debits your bank account for the difference in price. You can't get away with it. So after the game, you head home where suddenly the muffler in your car announces, I have a leak and suggest an appointment with the local mechanic the next day, in which, of course, you agree. And since you're hungry, you stop off at a convenience store to get a hot dog, whereupon the screen pops up on the computer in front of the attendant at the counter that tells him to, quote, ask the customer if he would like extra nacho cheesy potato chips. So the attendant does, in which, of course, you say yes, because they just happen to be your favorite kind. How did they know that? So after you drop your buddies off, you head home. And upon entering the door, your home computer asks you if you'd like to order pizza in three hours, which just happens to be the normal time you eat every single night. And since you know you'll be hungry again by then, you say yes, and then proceed to take out your garbage. But as soon as the garbage in the garbage can, you put it in there, the can sends you an audible alert, warning, warning, telling you that you just put a recyclable item in the wrong bin, in which you immediately correct as to avoid yet another fine from the waste management company. But then you decide to wash some clothes before the pizza arrives, so you throw your laundry into the machine, but uh, an alarm goes off there too. Warning, warning, as the washing machine informs you not to put your white dress shirt in with your red t-shirt. And just in case you don't comply with the order, quote, it deactivates itself until you do. Folks, uh, this is all current technology. It's already being implemented, and it's being sold as a wonderful new future all about our convenience. But there's even more. Let's continue on. So later that night, after you finish the pizza that arrived right on time, you go to the refrigerator to get a drink of water when it informs you that you're out of milk and then ask you if you want to order more from the grocery store in which you yawn and say yes and, and then promptly head off to bed. Are you hallucinating, the article says? Is this a bad scenario of a poor science fiction movie? Listen, 
No. Welcome to the wonderful world of RFID, where we know everything about how to serve our favorite customer. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's a little bit creepy. But there's even more than that, okay? Uh, it's a future that, Nully, I'm not personally crazy about, but it really is an actual viable sc- uh, scenario using RFID being unleashed on the world today. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is this the kind of envisioned future of the retail world? Is it really good for us? Folks, I don't think so. And I, I don't think, I think you'll agree. When you see, it's going to open up all kinds of issues like never before, okay? And believe it or not, folks, the first thing it's going to allow these guys to do is to create personalized data mining, okay? Let's take a look at that. What most people don't realize is that an RFID-enabled retail world will have the ability to mine personal data from you and I that will be used against us like never before in the history of mankind. And to make matters worse is that most people are still under the illusion that companies don't already practice this data mining when they already do. It's being done by getting us to buy into their loyalty card system, which in turn gives them a complete profile into our most intimate buying habits, as is clearly seen in this next video. Let's take a look. We have an optimum card. Do you have a discount card? No. Chapter's card. No, what's that? Here's the plan. Find out what these big companies do with all that prime personal information in their possession after your loyal submission into their club card confederation. We target two loyalty programs because so many of you have these cards in your wallet. With the No Fee Shoppers Drug Mart Optimum card, spend money, get points. The promise? Add up points to get free stuff. What do they get from you? Your name, birth date, address, and the ages of your children, and all of your spending habits. At Safeway, the free club card gives special prices on select items. The promise? To save you money. What do they get from you? A look at the products you buy, connected with your name, address, and phone number. I decide to assemble a tactical team to tackle this task. I figure we can't go wrong, since these companies publicly state that you have the right to know what personal information they have in your private dossier. We're calling them consumer cadets. Viewers who have written letters to shoppers and Safeway asking for copies of their files. To receive a copy of any information. Their goal? A copy of any and all to find out what, if any, personal data has been tallied and tabulated. Held in my shopper's optimum member file. Our cadets are not alone. 76% of Canadians are members of a loyalty program. To try to get a fix on why so many people buy into these memberships, I'm going to a place with some real members. We're doing a story on loyalty card programs. Which other ones do you have? What? <laughs> you get points and you, and you can buy things with it. You know, the extra bonuses they're going to give you, the points, and then they'll give you free merchandise. I do have an optimum card. Yes, I do. You do? Yes, do, do I do. Do you use it? What do you get out on of it? On occasional. 5% off sometimes. Discounts. But at what cost? So we took our mission here to Harvard University. We're about to meet someone here who, believe it or not, is doing her doctoral thesis on loyalty cards. 
privacy activist, Catherine Albrecht. So who benefits from these uh, cars? Because consumers clearly think they do. Well, we, we've actually, in five years of doing this, have been unable to find a single consumer benefit from using these cards. But hold on a second. We thought these cards are all about saving a dime. So we launched Project Grocery Bag. We shop at four different grocery stores, including a Safeway. We buy the same 10 items in every store. The tally at the real Canadian Superstore is $18.38. Our corner market is almost $5 more at $23.15. IGA is just a few cents up at $23.59. But the big jump comes at Safeway, where the total hits $28.10. That's almost $10 more than at Superstore. But with the Safeway Club Card savings, the total drops to $26.22. Still more than the other three stores, but they tell us we've saved almost $2. That is unbelievable. Is this your experience with these cards? It is. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to tell Safeway about the results of Project Grocery Bag and ask them for an interview, but they declined. What we advise people to do is find a store that doesn't have the card. Because we are essentially, with our shopping dollars, we're funding this whole monster. We are funding the system. We're funding the databases. We're paying the salaries of the people who are collecting this data on us. We are essentially paying to build our own data prisons here. But in our pennywise haste to save a dime, are we slowly and pound foolishly giving up our right to privacy? Companies like Shoppers Drug Mart assure you they're on the ball. They say... We do not rent, sell, or provide the personal information of Shoppers Optimum members. Safeway pitches the same game, but has a special curveball attached. We may disclose personal information in response to a subpoena, court process, specific request by a law enforcement agency. So let's say you buy a lot of Ziploc bags, maybe for a bake sale, or maybe to pack and sell certain suspect substances. Could a grocery store like Safeway turn your records over to the police? There's a grocery chain that actually turned over records of uh, some of its shoppers' purchases of plastic sandwich bags. Uh, the, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency here in the States, uh, uh, subpoenaed those records to see if uh, some particular people had bought a large quantity of plastic sandwich bags on the, on the presumption that anyone buying a lot of plastic sandwich bags must be selling drugs. You don't have to be the police to find out what people buy. We sent one of our garbage picking producers to dig in the trash. You see, Safeway actually pins the name of club card members on the receipt. Not too private. But they're not so forthcoming about handing over a copy of your file. Remember our consumer cadets? The mission of Bruce Gates was to get a copy of his file from Safeway. I would like to receive a copy of any information held in my Safeway file. Cadet Bruce is the first of our crew to get a letter back from Safeway but they don't give him his info. <laughs> they want a uh, $75 fee to process the uh, information. They say that uh, the fee offsets some of the costs incurred to perform a task that is outside the normal course of Safeway business. Well, the normal course of Safeway business is to collect the data from those cards. Another cadet, Kulbinda Saran, wrote Shoppers Drug Mart for a copy of her Optimum card file. She's still waiting for a response, so we send her on a mission behind shopper lines to get the goods. 
If I'm an Optimum member, what do you do with my personal information? No, they don't sell their address list or anything like that. It's actually completely confidential. So Just the buying so they can link up what would be good for you. Okay. Because um, I received a brilliant brown uh, brunette, that, that promotion as well, so they know what color my hair is and everything too? They should. Great work, I imagine. What, what went down with Shoppers Drug Mart? Well, it was really interesting because what they do is they try to find out what kind of product that I would like to purchase next based on my spending um, mm -hmm. you know, purchases in, in the past. Thank you very much. Now we're going to talk to one of Marketplace's operative, Tessa. Tessa, Shoppers Drug Mart refused to give us an interview, but you did speak with them yourself. That's right, and they were quite helpful. They talked to us at length, but they did refuse to give us an on-camera interview. However, I found a press release from a company called Natiza. They're a company that creates computer servers and databases. Shoppers bought a system from Natiza. Now your next mission is to head over to Framingham, Massachusetts, just outside Boston. We're back in Massachusetts, about to visit the company that sold Shoppers Drug Mart, their big computer that tracks consumer information. It's big business. And hey, if Shoppers Drug Mart won't tell us what they know, maybe these guys will give us some info. This is the kind of machine that crunches data for shoppers. The company that makes it is Netiza. Their CEO, Jit Saxena. So you could, like, you could just right now isolate a particular customer and, and instantly come up with a profile? That's right. What is it about information that brings these companies to your doorstep? For these businesses to really understand their customers, they need to know a lot about uh, what they buy, how they buy it, and all this requires that they track all the interactions. We think about this for a minute. Would it make sense for a store to spend what, what typically is estimated to be, be between 60 and 100 million dollars a year to maintain a card program? So now think about that it's for that a minute. that expensive? It's that expensive. Now why would they do that and then lower to prices? The well, wait, but, but they'd go out of business. In the end, this merry-go-round mission is impossibly incomplete. We still don't know exactly what these companies are doing with your information. We do know that they consider it quite valuable. The question is, how valuable is it to you? Just this week, some of our consumer cadets got packages from Shoppers Drug Mart, a detailed list of everything they've ever bought using their card, including some pretty personal purchases. As for Safeway, two cadets have heard back. No info, just asking for that $75 fee. So now we know they're using it to make money, and we're using it, we think, to save money. Keep using your cards as you wish, but remember, few things in life are free. And folks, once again, notice what is the motive for all this. It's to get even more of our cash from us. And notice how it's uh, being dishonest. We're signing up for these loyalty card systems, and we're thinking we're getting a better deal? Don't think so. But again, what's the point? They're already using these systems to develop a database where being mined of our personal information. But it gets even worse than that. And it's going to get worse than that with RFID. Let's take a look. So as you can see, we've been totally tricked into letting these companies build massive personal databases on us. In fact, it's already been estimated that Walmart already has a database on us that's of Orwellian proportions. And that's still the tip of the iceberg. What these companies are about to do with an RFID 
enabled retail world will make what you just saw look like child's play. The current system can only mine data from us when we sign up for a loyalty card or pay with something with a credit uh, card or debit card. But the future system with RFID, listen, will be able to mine personal data from you and I from every single item we ever purchase anywhere, anytime, card or not. That is a huge privacy problem. But that's not all. The second problem that it creates is it's going to create, believe it or not, folks, personalized marketing. Let's take a look at that. Uh, As we saw earlier, the companies out there promoting RFID in the retail industry are saying that there's no need to fear uh, this new technology. Not at all, because it's really designed to better serve you and I, the customer. And that, again, they only have our best interests at heart. However, Procter & Gamble admitted To the contrary, when they said this about the supposed RFID benefits for customers, quote, it may all appear to be a bit exaggerated and useless. At the end of the day, it will only save us a few minutes. The truth is that RFID in retail is not only an easy way for companies to build personalized databases on us, but it's an even easier way for them to use that information and then thrust a personalized marketing scheme at us. RFID, folks, has nothing to do about giving you and I more convenience. It has everything to do of them getting more of our cash. In fact, they even admit it in this next video clip. Let's take a look. Shopping here was like shopping anywhere else. You'd cruise the aisles, maybe buy something, maybe not. In an industry that spends more than $13 billion each year on market research, we still wouldn't know how people browse the store or how they make their decisions. Until now, with RFID tagged products and smart shelves, we can communicate with our customers, even put together special promotions and offers just as they are making the decision to buy and we gain valuable insight about how our customers shop our store, information that's worth a lot to us and to our suppliers. Many companies keep data warehouses brimming with transaction data, intending to use it to gain insight into their customers' preferences and product interests. In practice, however, this has proven difficult, in part, perhaps, because very little information is captured about the products that are sold. Accenture Technology Labs developed the Product Profiler prototype to demonstrate how retailers can use new sources of data to gain insight for competitive advantage. Product Profiler augments the information retailers have about customers with information about products so they can better understand customer preferences, forecast demand, and monitor competitors. How does it work? Using proprietary state-of-the-art text mining and machine learning algorithms, Product Profiler learns to associate words in product descriptions with product attributes such as trendiness, style, and formality. Marketers can also use the prototype to help write more targeted descriptions of their products and ensure consistent brand positioning. Here, Product Profiler suggests modifications that can help this product description more effectively convey the intended marketing message. Accenture researchers developed a recommender system that can suggest items similar in taste and style to a customer's past purchases. This is a significant improvement over traditional collaborative filtering. Now folks, once again, this is them admitting themselves that they plan on using this technology uh, to harvest this data from you and I. Why? To specifically target us to to what? To, To target us with this advertising that will trick us, if you will, seduce us, if you will, into buying even more products, i.e. getting more of our cash. 
But as you can see, folks, RFID in the retail industry has nothing to do with giving you and I more convenience. It has about them getting more of our cash. They admit it. And that's not only a huge privacy problem. Hello, that is a huge greed problem. And that, of course, leads to the third problem. And folks, believe it or not, this is where it's headed. Talk about the ultimate class warfare. It's going to lead to creating personalized pricing. You, based on your income, uh, is going to get a different price than somebody else. Okay, let's take a look at that. Okay, as if the greedy intentions of these companies using RFID in the retail industry wasn't apparent enough. Believe it or not, folks, they not only plan on personally marketing us for even more of our cash, but they also plan on giving us personalized prices based on our income and uh, spending habits to squeeze more cash out of us. As one person in the retail industry said, quote, with RFID on loyalty cards to identify the customer, and a customer shopping history database, which they already have, items could be priced differently depending on the characteristics of the shopper. Different promotions could be offered to different customers via their mobile devices, cell phones, at kiosks, and by employees receiving prompts on their point of sale terminals. Now go back to that article that envisioned the RFID future. That's exactly what they envisioned. The guy behind the counter gets a prompt automatically because they recognize you coming in, combine it with the database. He is told specifically what to ask you so that you'll spend more money. They're admitting it. That's exactly what they're working on. But let's continue on. They're, they're really serious about, folks, this implementing a, a kind of discriminating pricing system. It's really happening. Listen to them admit it yourself in this next video clip that they simply and blatantly call the personalized pricing tool. How do you get around this one? Let's take a look. Businesses today have more opportunities to communicate with customers one-on-one. -on -one. The next challenge? Gaining the insights that will help businesses say something relevant to each customer. Accenture Technology Labs developed the personalized pricing tool to demonstrate how retailers can use the transaction data they currently collect to generate individualized incentives and pricing. Instead of marketing to demographic clusters of consumers, retailers can use insight about the buying habits of individual customers to target them with specific offers, boosting profits and increasing customer satisfaction. Through customer loyalty cards, retailers know a lot about an individual customer's buying history. Yet, the same in-store incentives are offered to everyone regardless of their personal profile. Accenture's personalized pricing tool prototype examines an individual customer's purchase history as well as the store's targeted sales volume and current inventory to generate a personalized pricing offer. Imagine you are a store manager and your goal is to increase both sales and customer loyalty without compromising profits. Using the personalized pricing tools modeling and simulation techniques, you can determine which customers are likely to be interested in buying your overstocked items and give them targeted offers that will motivate them to buy without under discounting. Discount strategies can be altered each day according to store objectives. The result is a significant increase in customer satisfaction and in sales as compared to traditional incentive programs. Now imagine that you are a shopper. You enter the store and swipe your loyalty card at a kiosk. You are instantly presented with coupons that are customized to you based on both your previous purchase history and the retail manager's objectives. You can print them out or download them to a PDA or phone. 
In the near future, shopping carts outfitted with scanners may offer special discounts as you shop through the store, based on items you have placed in your cart or your shopping habits over multiple visits. Other industries can benefit from the personalized pricing tool as well. Financial services companies, for instance, could bundle cross-industry products from banking to insurance according to an individual customer's needs. As businesses increasingly interact with customers one-on-one -on -one and in real time, it's not enough just to analyze last quarter's data to inform next quarter's marketing campaign. At Accenture Technology Labs, we developed the personalized pricing tool to assess the potential of individualized promotional strategies to maximize customer satisfaction while also optimizing business performance. So folks, once again, as wild as it sounds, you hear uh, for yourself that these guys really are using this to get even more of our cash, okay? It's a huge discriminatory problem. But let's continue on. Uh, again, as you saw, folks, these companies really are planning on using RFID to squeeze as much money out of us as they can. And believe it or not, it gets even worse. They not only discriminate against us based on our income and our buying habits, but they even go so far as, listen, to classify us as whether or not, this is their words, not mine, whether or not we're a barnacle or a bottom feeder, and that if we're not dropping big money in their stores, they don't want us around, and we will be, quote, financially penalized. Listen to how Marty Abrams, he's a policy advisor at Hunt and Williams Law Firm, describes how marketers do just that. He says, quote, maximization in some cases means providing white glove service and pricing that expands the firm share of the consumer's wallet. In other cases, it means marginal service and high prices designed to drive the unattractive consumer somewhere else. As another person puts it, you know that awful feeling you get when you sit next to a guy who paid 100 bucks for the same flight that cost you 600 bucks to board? Soon, you could have the same experience with food, clothing, and even children's toys every time you shop. Quote, imagine approaching a shelf and seeing the price tag change before your very eyes, flashing you a personalized price tailored to your shopping history and the profitability to the store. It's called customer-specific pricing, and RFID folks make it a reality. So the question is, well, how do these greedy uh, companies figure out how to identify people so they know who gets the good prices and the white glove service and who gets the high prices and the rotten service? Folks, welcome to the world of RFID in the retail industry. Once again, once the system is installed on a global scale, their greedy problem is solved. RFID tags in people's cards and or on their person will enable stores to recognize them by person and then coupled with the personalized database on them will then enable them to alert stores as to whether or not, quote, we are a good customer for them or a bad customer for them and based on our income and buying habits and then change the prices accordingly. That's not just a huge privacy problem. It's a huge discrimination problem. Folks, I'm telling you, this is really what they're working on and we need to be aware of it. But it leads to the final problem that we're going to see. And believe it or not, once again, it goes back to this issue. It creates personalized tracking of you and I. Let's take a look at that problem now. Uh, as if what you've seen so far was not bad enough, it gets worse. Not only are companies going to use RFID in retail to create personalized database to as market us personally and give us a personalized price, but this technology will allow them and others 
to create a personalized tracking system to continually monitor us and market us, okay? And the first way they plan on doing that is implementing what's called sniffers in the home. Folks, this is coming not only in the public, but they want it in your home. They're going to market you. They're going to monitor you everywhere you go. But let's take a look at that. These sniffers are in your home. And, uh, but believe it or not, here's the actual patent out there. It's called Inventory and Location System that describes how RFID readers could be installed in your home's doorway, not just the uh, stores, in your home's doorway, in your home's floor, closets, even in your car to inventory all your RFID retail items and report their findings on a minute-by-minute basis. Now, wait, wait a second right there. How can you do that in our home if you really plan on disarming or turning off or killing the tax. Once again, folks, you're seeing proof they have no plans on doing that. They're going to leave these things active at all times to monitor and market us at all times. But let's continue on. And so what they're going to do with this information, they're going to send it back to the marketers, okay? Listen to them and their patent yourself. Quote, as a customer enters the door of his residence, not the shop, your residence, your home, a sniffer placed on the floor near the doorway detects the new RFID tag purchase. This wirelessly sniffer automatically and continuously emits a signal that searches for an RFID label which it has never seen before. The user's house may contain many sniffers which all wirelessly communicate with a personal computer. A mobile sniffer uh, could even be installed in the user's car and would enable the report uh, new purchases as the car enters the driveway or garage so retailers and suppliers can analyze their sales and marketing strategies. Folks, I'm telling you, as creepy as this is, they want this active at all times. You don't even get to get into your house and then know exactly what you purchased and Add that with their database information, adjust their marketing strategies. Well, like, you know what? Hey, we did pretty good with that commercial because these people bought this and all that, uh, and we, they took it to their home. Or they say, you know what? We just didn't get a good enough response based on all this data uh, in their home, what they brought home with them. So we need to adjust our commercials accordingly. This is what they're planning on doing with this. But let's continue on now. Uh, now, wait a second. You might say, well, h- how could they do this unless all the tags were left on or somehow readable after the point of sale. Exactly. That's what I keep saying. Okay. But there's even more. The second way they plan on personally tracking us is with sniffers, not just in the home, but sniffers in our trash. Folks, believe it or not, companies are also planning on using RFID in the retail to continually track, monitor, and market us by the contents of our trash from vehicles equipped with RFID readers that scan for tags as they drive by. For instance, Bell South has a patent out for a device that's called the System and Method for Utilizing RF Tags to Collect Data Concerning Post-Consumer Products. That's your trash. Whereupon they can collect, sort, process, and sell the data contained in our trash with RFID tags on them. They say, quote, by combining captured pre-consumer information, meaning at the store, with uh, post-consumer information, meaning your trash can, The entire life cycle of an item may be tracked. I'll say it again for the sake of redundancy, folks. Once again, how can you do that if you do what you say you're going to do? Shut the tags off. Folks, they're not. 
We're being lied to. Let's continue on. This information may be useful in any number of uh, entities, including retailers, manufacturers, distributors, and the like, grocery stores, pharmacies, retailers. They may find it useful to know how long it takes for a particular item to go from being stocked on the shelf to being placed in a waste or re- uh, recycling receptacle. But, but again, how can you do that if somehow... Uh, you let the tags on. That's what they're going to do, folks. Okay, but there's still more. The third way they plan on tracking us is with sniffers. I'm not making this up. Everywhere. Believe it or not, folks, companies are also planning on using RFID in retail to continually track, monitor uh, long after uh, the point of sale, but they literally want to turn the whole planet, listen, into one giant RFID-enabled shopping mall. They actually have a term out. It's called the Real World Showroom. And they admit it, folks, in action in this next video clip. Let's take a look. Imagine if the entire world was your personal showroom, where you see products in use and you can buy them right there, right away. With the advent of inexpensive radio frequency identification, or RFID tags, and the ubiquity of mobile devices, the gap between where we use products and where we buy them begins to disappear. At Accenture, our researchers developed a prototype called Real World Showroom. Using a wireless PDA equipped with an RFID reader, I can query everyday objects around me, such as a tie my friend is wearing. Information about the product, such as pricing, availability, and delivery options, is retrieved from a variety of online sources. Click a few options, and the tie is yours. As these tags become pervasive, products will start to advertise themselves, and those products' owners will become sales channels. For instance, if I buy a friend's tie, he could receive a sales commission for that sale. But real-world showroom is more than a shopping tool. It's a way to find out everything about a product. By scanning a data tag on a used car, for instance, you could see if it's been involved in an accident, how many times it's been sold, or get a certified odometer reading. Scan a stereo, and you could see its supply chain history to make sure it's not a gray market item. Real World Showroom is an example of what we at Accenture like to call silent commerce. In the future, more and more commerce will be conducted between people and objects in real time and in real world situations, not just at the store or on the web. Now, folks, you just saw once again for yourself in their own demonstration video that they paid to make, they really are planning on moving RFID out of the stores into the complete public realm to where you and I would be able uh, to scan everybody like they are a personal store. Any item they're wearing, anything that you and I in the world, wherever we go, If we like that product, we don't have to be in the store. We don't even have to be on the internet or on the web, as he said. We can just get that off the person, okay? That's a huge concern, but that's really what they're planning on doing. But let's continue on. As you can see, folks, they really want to turn the whole world into one big, giant shopping mall with RFID. But again, here's the question. How could they do that unless the RFID tags were still left on or were somehow readable after the point of sale? It's obvious, folks, these companies, uh, they want to have their way with RFID in the retail world, and it's going to lead to one of the worst invasions of privacy this world has ever seen. In fact, folks, I'm not the only one who sees it coming. So does this news agency. Let's take a look at what they shared about the concerns over this new technology called RFID. Let's take a look. 
You know, it just seems like a fact of life these days. Well, this, you know, that you are watched when you don't even know it sometimes. Yeah, and now to the latest front in the invasion of privacy. We take the debate to the edge of the newest technology. Hello, Toronto Tonight viewer. They know where you live. They are Reason, an American magazine. And when the next edition is delivered to subscribers, readers will get this personalized message along with an aerial picture of their home right on the cover. The public match their subscriber list to publicly available photo maps to create an issue that's customized to every reader. They're celebrating the death of privacy. Of course, not everyone is cheering. The internet, telecommunications technology, cell phones, all these technologies have the capability of tracking your activities, your whereabouts, your movements, and placing you at certain positions at times. So surveillance has expanded dramatically. We all know we are watched pretty well everywhere we go. Maybe it's worth it for a safer city, but is it worth it for more convenient shopping? Because in this digital age, every time money changes hands, we already leave a little piece of our digital DNA, numbers that tell a story of who we are, what we're like. But what's the next step? Imagine a world where everything you buy, from the clothes on your back to a bottle of cough syrup, can be tracked wherever it goes. Well, imagine no more because that technology is already here. In the near future, this chip will be embedded in every product you buy, storing product information and locating it at an exact time and place, from manufacturing to distribution to the retail store. It's a chip that replaces barcodes. You put a chip on an item, and then you go about your normal business, loading it onto, onto, onto trucks or passing it onto your shelves. And every time it moves by an antenna, it gets scanned, regardless of orientation. The inventory control benefit is obvious. Real-time updates on what's selling, what isn't. That's why these executives from around the world are so excited. Through the whole supply chain, um, you're going to see a 20% savings in labor. You're going to see an 80% reduction in theft. But here's the potential problem when you bring it home, because the chip doesn't ever really stop transmitting information. The ability to track an individual consumer with a variety of products that they've purchased and the ability to aggregate that information and develop profiles on the kind of purchases that that individual has made, it grows exponentially. RFID is now being adopted by Walmart, but another company, Benetton, aborted its plans to use RFID because of privacy protests. So clearly the jury is out. You go into a lingerie store, you go into a condom store, you, you can paint the picture, and then link that to the kind of position I might have as a public official or a school teacher or there could be enormous abuses of that information. Of course there is another side to the story. Think about um, tagging pets and getting your dog back even though there's no collar. Think about lost children. Your child's movements could be tracked minute by minute in a world where scanners are everywhere. Perhaps that's privacy well worth giving up. But remember, when privacy's lost, it's lost forever. Yeah, the key word there is gone forever, folks. This reality is coming to the planet. If you recall back with Kevin Ashton uh, making his comment, their goal is to have every item, every product, every person, everything monitored at any time around the world. Folks, it's being implemented. It's becoming a reality. But let's continue on. So the point is in showing that video, folks, is th this is not some make-believe scenario. Why would a reputable news agency be reporting on the dangerous privacy and tracking concerns of RFID? Unless, of course, 
maybe there really is some dangerous privacy and tracking concerns with RFID, okay? But that's not all. What most people don't realize is that coupled with other invasive databases, the deployment of RFID could lead to a system much like the one being implemented by the Dutch government on their people. Listen to this. It's actually called, quote, cradle to the grave. It's a database where all uh, citizens will be given an electronic file containing all kinds of personal information like their health, their education, the family, the police records, etc. to supposedly help identify potential troublemakers and, of course, reduce crime rates. Quote, the database will be used by organizations to warn each other of a certain person's dubious record on anything from petty thieving or to school truancy. Red flags will be raised if an individual is thought to pose a significant risk of criminality. Child Protection Services will say, hey, there's a warning flag from the police. Hey, there's another one from the school. There's another one from the doctor. Something must be going on. Quote, it's time to call the parents in for a meeting. They also say that once a child is registered on the database, they will be issued a citizen service number making it easier for authorities to keep tracking them even if their families move around the country literally from birth until death. Well, folks, once again, when you look at the facts, it, uh, it really does appear to me that somebody uh, is planning on using RFID in the retail industry not only to control all the products uh, in the world for inventory purposes, uh, but they really want to use this technology and are using this technology to monitor our every movement and behavior in the world, and specifically, as you saw, for monetary purposes. In fact, maybe even from the cradle to the grave. Okay, And that, of course, brings us now to the second uh, area that RFID technology is already being deployed, and that is in the food industry. You thought it was bad in the retail? You haven't seen anything yet. Believe it or not, folks, these corporations not only want to use RFID to control and to monitor all the products around the world, they want to do it, I kid you not, literally to every single piece of food in the world. Now, they really have the ability to control you. But we'll take a look at that in the next video. Out of these troubled times, our fifth objective, a new world order can emerge, a new era, freer from the threat of terror, stronger in the pursuit of justice, and more secure in the quest for peace. An era in which the nations of the world, East and West, North and South, can prosper and live in harmony. A hundred generations have searched for this elusive path to peace, while a thousand wars raged across the span of human endeavor. And today that new world is struggling to be born, a world quite different from the one we've known, a world where the rule of law supplants the rule of the jungle, a world in which nations recognize the shared responsibility for freedom and justice. A world where the strong respect the rights of the weak. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order an order in which a credible United Nations 
can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. Such is a world worthy of our struggle and worthy of our children's future. And now we can see a new world coming into view, a world in which there is the very real prospect of a new world order. In the words of Winston Churchill, a world order in which the principles of justice and fair play protect the weak against the strong. A world where the United Nations, freed from Cold War stalemate, is poised to fulfill the historic vision of its founders. And that's why I wanted to speak to you today about the new world taking shape around us, about the prospects for a new world order now within our reach. In the coming weeks, I'll be talking in some detail about the possibility of a new world order emerging after the Cold War. But today, I want to discuss another aspect of that order. You see, as the Cold War drew to an end, we saw the possibilities of a new order in which nations work together. It refers to new ways of working with other nations to deter aggression and to achieve stability. As old threats recede, new threats emerge. The quest for the new world order is in part a challenge to keep the dangers of disorder at bay. We must build on the successes of Desert Storm to give new shape and momentum to this new world order. Only when this transformation is complete will we be able to take full measure of the opportunities presented by this new and involving world order. The new world order really is a tool for addressing a new world of possibilities. This order gains its mission and shape not just from shared interests, but from shared ideals. Uh, the President George Bush has talked time and time again about a new world order. And this is the best chance to begin to establish the new world order. And that's why the stakes are so high. From 19... 45 and the end of the war through 1989 and the end of the Cold War, we had a worldview. Republican and Democratic presidents alike, from Harry Truman to George Bush, stood for freedom and stood for certain propositions that would make America strong and healthy and grow the middle class and shrink poverty and stand against communism. And after 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, and instead it looks like we got a lot of disorder. And we still, when, and after 9-11, we've been more sensitive. But it is the awareness itself that will drive the change. And one of the ways it will drive the change is through global governance and global agreements. Now much has been said by the Secretary of State and others about a new world order. 
about a defining moment in history. I have no doubt about the potential of this moment to be defining in terms of history, but that definition can be negative as well as positive. And how negative or positive it will be will depend on what kind of new world order we really create. Can it truly be said that the United States of America trading off better treatment to China for an abstention on a vote, cozying up to Syria with its record of support for terrorism, or making promises to other countries in exchange for a hold your coat, you go ahead and take the risks and casualties endorsement. Can it truly be said that these create a new world order? Can it really be said that we're building a new world order when it's almost exclusively the United States who will be fighting in the desert? Not, not alone, but almost displaying pride and impatience and implementing what essentially amounts to a Pax Americana. Is that a new world order? Can it really be said that this is a true new world order when it lacks a true United Nations collective security effort with the full measure of international cooperation and burden sharing which that should carry? With the end of the Cold War, Henry Kissinger pointed out in his superb book on diplomacy, he said, None of the most important countries which must build a new world order have had any experience with the multi-state system that is emerging. Never before has a new world order had to be assembled from so many different perceptions or on so global a scale. Nor has any previous order had to combine the attributes of the historic balance of power system with global democratic opinion and the exploding technology of the contemporary period. That was written in 1994, and it may be even more relevant today. As I've told you before, because I love it so much, they also created the Great Seal of the United States. And that Great Seal of the United States has on it Novus Order Seclorum, a new order for the centuries, for the ages, forever. There is a chance the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used I think only once and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. During the conflict with Saddam Hussein, which he handled so superbly in, in a short-term sense, but he kept talking about a new world order. Uh, and, and, and then President Bush at the end of, the, of that war promised he would give four graduation addresses, four commencement addresses describing that new world order and what America's role was going to be in it. It turned out he gave one of those addresses and canceled the other three and talked about something else. That's what, because they weren't... And this present window of opportunity during which a truly peaceful and interdependent world order might be built will not be here for open for too long. You believe deeply in your system and we believe just as deeply in our system. It is not our common beliefs that have brought us together here, but our common interests and our common hopes. The interest that each of us has to maintain our independence and the security of our peoples. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order in which nations and peoples with different systems and different values can live together in peace, respecting one another while disagreeing with one another letting history rather than the battlefield 
be the judge. It, it's, it's past the point of talking. Um, we know historically that the global governance um, the sort of agenda um, to these issues is, is, is very hard to try and is, 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 with all the best intentions it's very hard to actually activate. Um, we're seeing that right now. We're seeing a lot of fragmentation going on in Copenhagen, a lot of different agendas pulling in different directions. And I the closest we came to the dream was when we were doing THX and everybody was writing their scripts. Everybody was hanging out at the pool table drinking cappuccinos and waxing philosophically about the new world order and everything. Type 1 civilization is a connected civilization, a single global culture, a single global language, global communication, global politics. We see this beginning now. We see it emerging all around us. The European countries are binding together slowly, forming the EU. NAFTA has been formed in North America. Eventually, we will see the rise of a single world government. We will see a single economy. 2009 is also the first year of global governance with the establishment of the G20 in the middle of the financial crisis. The climate conference in Copenhagen is another step towards the global management of our planet. Our mission our presidency is one of hope, supported by acts and by deeds. Leaders come together and establish a framework for global governance, not a world government, but sensible governance. If these measures are enacted and we continue to move forward with the G20 process, we will have the kind of global government, governance that is necessary to ensure the stability and transparency of markets in a way that gives us the benefits of a globalized market economy without the enormous risks that uh... there with my people they were bombed and I was just targeted like them and as elected president official in charge of their protection I couldn't do anything about it but the point here is it's not about me it's about the idea of freedom it's you... about the future of the whole region it's about the future of Europe and a new world order the transatlantic partnership was never just the foundation of our security it was the foundation of our way of life. It was forged an experience of the most bitter and anguished kind. Out of it came a new Europe, a new world order, a new consensus as to how life should and could be lived. The pieces are in flux. Soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. I think a new world order is emerging and with it the foundations of a new and progressive era of international cooperation. We have resolved that from today we will together manage the process of globalization to secure responsibility from all and fairness to all. And we've agreed that in doing so we will build a more sustainable and more open and a fairer global society. All these new challenges are bringing together about the biggest restructuring we have ever seen, not just of the global economy, but of the global order as a whole. And 200 years ago, a famous British Foreign Secretary said that the new world had been called into existence to redress the balance of the old. In 1990, another old world ended, dominated by the Cold War, and people talked then, in 1990, of a new world order. What they actually meant then was a new political order, and what was not foreseen then, but is obvious now from everything that we see and do, what we experience in every day of our life, 
is the sheer scale and speed and scope of globalization. And it's only now that we can begin to understand that the world order that globalization brings and what it's going to look like, it's driven forward now not just by the balance of military strength, the Cold War times, or ordinary political power, it's being driven forward by a seismic shift in economic power that we see around us. But what does the new world order mean for countries like ours who are looking to succeed? I suggest that the countries that are going to succeed are those that combine flexibility, free trade, open markets, with proper stewardship of the environment, and investment in education, infrastructure, and innovation. And the question for us is how we meet and master all these challenges to ensure that Britain enhances its competitiveness in the process and realize, realizes what I believe is our destiny of success in this new world order. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, a new world is emerging. It is a new world order with significantly different and radically new challenges for the future. But today, with Asia already outproducing Europe, India and China are clearly becoming part of our new order. The world that maybe some people dreamt of at that conference back in Bournemouth when it looked as if maybe history would end, that liberal democracy would triumph, that free market economics would slowly progress and we'd have a new world order. Tim, what do you think America's place in the new world order should be? It's always been seen as the global policeman. But as you said before, you know, it's hard to see with all these military conflicts where the winner and loser lies. What, what should America be doing I think globally? the global policeman should be the United Nations. What sort of a financial deal should Obama be seeking to strike when he travels to China next month? No, I think this would be the time because you really need to bring China into the creation of a new uh, um, uh, world order, financial world order. Uh, what do you think the most important thing is for Barack Obama? Obviously, you're here to talk about uh, the anniversary for U.S.-China diplomatic relations, but if you had to say this is going to be the country or the conflict or the place that will define the Obama administration, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> the, the president-elect is coming into office at a moment when there are upheavals in many parts of the world simultaneously. You have India, Pakistan, you have... You have uh, uh, the, uh, jihadist movement. So he can't really say that it's one problem, that it's the most important one. Uh, but he can give a new impetus to American foreign policy, partly because the reception of him is so extraordinary around the world. I think his task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period, when really a new world order can be created. It's a great opportunity. It isn't such a crisis. There's a need for a new world order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of, of the world. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order, because the global order is changing again. And the institutions and rules that worked so well in the post-World War II era for decades, uh, they need to be strengthened. The, the way we're going to win over the long term is not just militarily. We've got to win over uh, hearts and minds. And what that means is we've got to invest in countries that uh, have no educational infrastructure and have no uh, means for young people to, to get ahead. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, 
uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. No, no. I mean, there is a conflict about what the mission is. The United States says that Gaddafi must go. Members of the coalition say this is strictly a humanitarian mission. How can the coalition work together when they can't agree on what the goals are? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I want to thank you for joining us again for this documentary entitled RFID, Man's Greatest Invention or Mark of the Beast. And last time we saw the third concern that I have with RFID, and uh, hopefully you do too, and that's the dangerous deployment of RFID. And we saw the first area that RFID is already being deployed upon you and I, and that, of course, was in the retail industry. And there we saw that the promoters of RFID uh, in the retail industry say that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. This is going to be awesome, not only for the companies who use it, but also, they say, for you and I, the consumer. But once we took a look at the facts, it was clear, folks, there are some serious privacy concerns uh, with this technology. We saw a clearly created personalized data mining. There was personalized marking. There was personalized pricing, if you can believe that. And it even created, of course, personalized tracking with this technology. And again, this is not some sort of uh, alarmist going to some extreme. This is not some sort of wacky conspiracy theory. This is exactly as you saw what these corporations are planning on doing to you and I around the world right now. And that, of course, now brings us to the second area that RFID is being deployed, and that is, believe it or not, in the food industry. Believe it or not, folks, these corporations not only want to control, they not only want to monitor all the products in the world, but believe it or not, they are going to do it, and as you're going to see, they're already beginning to do it to all the food in the world. Let's take a look at that intention. Is this the help desk? Yes, it is. We need help. With what? He's no. always no. Is he mad and relentless? I understand. Farmer, designer, weaver, buyer, shipper, seller. Yeah. What do you got? You need a customized, integrated, real-time web portal. What? To get you on the same page. Perfect. Who are you? Shepherd. Now, folks, what you just saw was yet another propaganda piece from IBM uh, ex ex explaining to us that they really plan on using RFID technology, not only in monitoring and tracking all the retail items throughout the entire retail chain, but as you saw, they're really planning on using this technology to monitor and track in real time the entire food chain. As you just heard, they're going to what? They're going to use this technology to connect everything in the food supply chain, all the way from the farmer to the designer to the weaver to the buyer to the shipper uh, to the seller. Or what some use in the industry, what they're saying, this is their words. They say, we're going to be able, with this technology, we're going to be able to track everything all the way from the farm to the fork. That's their terminology there. So, so let's take a look at how they're already implementing this RFID technology in the food industry. And you tell me, folks, that's really what they're up to. This is their intention, to monitor all the food around the world. Let's take a look at that. And, of course, the first justification they say is, hey, listen, don't you realize RFID will be used to keep your food fresh? And we're all concerned about that, right? Well, let's take a look at that. Uh, one of the supposed justifications is why we just have to have every single food item on the whole planet tracked and monitored with RFID is this is going to ensure that all of our food, food will always be uh, fresh and, and safe and readily available. But 
folks, customer satisfaction is not the only motive, shocker, uh, why companies want to do this with RFID. Companies readily admit that if an item is not on the shelf when a customer arrives, then guess what? A sale can't be made, and guess what? They lose out on valuable profits. It's about cash. So RFID tags on every food product on the planet will enable them, once again, to monitor product availability throughout the entire global food chain so as to maximize uh, product availability, so as to maximize their profits. I'm telling you, folks, money, money, money is the goal here with a lot of these corporations. And this whole system, one day, the Bible says, is going to be hijacked by the Antichrist. But let's continue on. Uh, and, and this monetary goal of companies using RFID is clearly seen, folks, uh, in this following video demonstration of what's being called the future store. Here is what's coming for you and I as our shopping experience to go get some food. Let's take a look at that new reality. All righty, well, as you can see, that's the future store. And in the future store, folks, that you'll be shopping, it's all about inventory management, or should I say inventory money mint, because that's what it's about, to make sure the product's there to get your cash. And as you can see, some food or products that are coming into the warehouse, and as we saw before, the RFID technology lets them have an automatic registration of the articles, and they're instantly checked in and beamed in. They know exactly what they are, uh, what the details about that product, and it's beamed to a kiosk. And then they can check the order of delivery. That's right, no more you guys needed to uh, check that stuff in. It's going to be done all automatically. But not only is the checking done in automatically, so is the storage of the product in the back of the warehouse. As you can see, it's told exactly where to go, and of course, you have precise information on the storage location, articles that are in stock, and of course, even, remember, it's tracking. Uh, globally all the articles in transit and so once it's there then it can be alerted and taken into uh, the store itself but not before going through another reader you have an automatic registration of the articles taken into the store remember these things can be tracked anywhere they go and so finally it goes into the store to replenish the stock because that's right it's going to uh, land on it what's called a smart shelf and it's so smart it's going to make sure the products there all the time uh, to make sure that they get as much cash as you uh, can. Also, by the way, notice that those had electronic uh, tags on, the prices will change. But here you see a close-up of the smart shelf, and that's the reader device, and you see some products there that all have RFID tags on them. And of course, it's beaming information about the product constantly, but also, if it's removed from the shelf, like that lady just did, then an alert is immediately sent to another kiosk or computer and it tells exactly what's happened and what is needed precisely for that so-called smart shelf. And here's the incoming message. That's right, shelf 12, there are only two milk products left and there is actually an, a misplaced product and we are now informing the employee. That's right, employees, no more downtime for you. You're going to work you like a horse. And so an, an alert is immediately sent. And folks, keep in mind, this all happens within seconds. An alert is immediately sent to the employee, whereupon on his PDA, that's right, for those who hooked on acronyms, um, and it says an incoming message, shelf 12. There are only two milk products left and there's a misplaced product. You better get over there. Uh, Bobby Joe and, and re fix it. So and that's what he does. He takes the misplaced item and that's right He's a good employee being told what to do. He is putting more stuff on the shelf so they can get more of your money But folks once again, I'm telling you this gives them the ability to make sure that products there So they can make sure that we can make that uh, Purchase that item they can make that sale for the money. Okay. This is really what it's all about. Okay convenience is not the main issue 
But let's continue on. Uh, fast product stocking, folks, is not the only way that these companies will be ensured a steady cash flow from you and I using RFID. Just in case there's a glitch in this global monitoring system of food products, once again, RFID comes to the rescue. RFID tags not only enable companies to track food products anywhere, anytime in the whole world to ensure fast availability, but they can even sniff the food itself to ensure its freshness. Believe it or not, folks, these tags also have the ability to monitor chemical smells in food, indicating whether or not a product has started to spoil and or has gone bad. As we saw before, the tiny microchip can not only store information, but receive it as well. Even things like humidity or temperature or shock, etc. And so when RFID tags are used on food items, they really can sniff out, if you will, and detect spoilage during the shipping of things such as fresh produce, meat, fish, baked goods, etc. And companies say that this sniffing ability is highly needed because perishable, listen, perishable food products account for half of all retail sales in the United States alone and that 10% of that goes to waste before you and I can purchase them, which of course means they miss out on getting more of our cash. It goes back to the money. And for those of you who think this electronic sniffing of food using RFID is just some crazy science fiction story reserved for some far off future, check out this next video clip and you tell me if RFID tags won't be sniffing out our food supply in the very near future. Let's take a look at that now. Nearly 30 years ago, the first barcode machine was born. Now, decades later, the technology we usually associate with scanning our groceries is doing everything from stocking shelves to keeping our homeland secure. RFID is a natural evolution to where barcodes were. We're talking about radio frequency identification, or RFID. RFID has been around for a very long time. In fact, today, when you travel through a toll booth and you have an easy pass, that's an RFID technology. Now companies like Symbol are providing RFID technologies to revolutionize the way we live once again, like at the supermarket, creating a 24-hour virtual stock boy or gal. If the shelf was empty and the proximity reader knew that the shelf was empty, it could send a signal to the stocking rotation folks to actually take something from the back room and put it on the shelf. From stocking shelves to taking stock at the airport, where RFID is improving baggage tracking and security. What RFID has done is now taken that technology to the next level. Previously, you would actually have to manually pull a trigger or point a laser or point an image or add a barcode to read it. Now, as it passes within the proximity of an RFID reader, that information that would normally be in a barcode is now transmitted. And experts say one of the biggest benefits of the technology is cutting down on human error while improving productivity and lowering operating expenses. What else is in the future for RFID? How about something called sensing technology, which can do everything from sniffing out rotten fruits and veggies at the grocery store to sniffing out potential terrorist threats. Sensing technologies would have the ability to sense chemical, radiological, biological weapons in a cargo container. They would also be able to, to sense the freshness of produce in an aisle in retail. So folks, uh, once again, it may sound like science fiction, but this will enable them, this RFID on every food product, uh, give them the ability to sniff, if you will, uh, whether or not something is fresh, so it could always be there for you and I. Why? To make that purchase to get more of our cash. But let's continue on. As you can see, folks, this tracking and sniffing ability of RFID on food products is not only one smart technology, as he said on the video, 
It's a scary technology when you stop and think about where this could lead to. For instance, imagine if a particular food product was deemed by the government to be unhealthy for consumption. And with all these new tracking and sniffing abilities of RFID tags on our food, our food consumption could be completely monitored and controlled with no place to hide. Now again, what's the issue? Revelation 13, the opening text said this, that he is going to be able to control what you buy and sell. It's not just buying and selling, he's going to control it. Folks, this technology gives him the ability to do that. Not just keep us from making a financial transaction, he literally can control whether or not we even get to purchase uh, this particular product. RFID makes all this a reality. But let's continue on. No place to hide, folks, because listen, this is what they're doing. They are going to mandate and control whatever we eat and drink using RFID tags. Okay? NCR Corporation, believe it or not, already has plans for it. In their promotional piece called 50 Ideas for Revolutionizing the Store Through RFID, they state, quote, if food or clothing were tagged with RFID, that could provide ingredients and materials composing the item. Shoppers could be warned about items to which they or a family member was allergic to or when those items were placed in the shopping carts or baskets equipped with RFID readers. A smart system could suggest alternatives that did not contain the problematic component and tell the shopper where to find them. And you might be thinking, well, that's that's not too bad being told whether or not a food item will uh, trigger an allergy. You know, you accidentally put it in your cart and, and, and it'd be nice to suggest an alternative. But folks, here's the problem. What if one day it switched from being voluntary to mandatory, like this person warned? Quote, imagine what would happen if health insurers public health officials, and even employers could also peer over your shoulder at your food choices and set their own restrictions on what food products you could or couldn't buy. Let me translate that for you. What you could and could not buy or sell. It's all coming together, folks, from a multitude of angles, and the Antichrist is going to hijack the whole system. It's being put into place now. But let's continue on. Already police, folks, Uh, Police departments have fired officers for smoking cigarettes in their off-duty hours, claiming that smoking raises health insurance costs for others. And employees in King County, Washington, the Seattle area, will be charged an extra $1,000 in annual health care fees if they don't participate in a Snoopy health incentives program that monitors their lifestyle choices. So why wouldn't these same tactics one day be deployed at the supermarket? I mean, think about it, folks. The grocery cart that watches your spy chip food choices would make it possible, listen, for employers and health insurance companies to impose similar conditions on people's grocery store purchases. Why stop at tobacco, he says. Cops could lose their jobs for buying red meat or beer. Who defines that? Quote, giving computers the power to prevent shoppers from buying certain products sounds like a big brother increment just waiting to happen. And folks, aren't you glad that our government now has total control of our healthcare system? And if you don't think that they're going to start limiting certain food products from you and I, you got another thing coming, okay? And you might think, well, there's no way they're going to be able to mandate it. Aha, if you put RFID on every single food product, the government literally could keep you from buying or selling that product. Where have I heard that before? Let's continue on, okay? The second justification, they say, hey, listen, it's not just going to keep your food fresh. Hey, this is going to keep your food convenient. Remember, it's all about you. 
the customer. Let's take a look at that now. Once again, the seductive mantra they thrust at you and I to get us to resign ourselves of having not only every single retail item on the planet tracked and monitored with RFID, but every food item on the planet as well, is they say, hey, it's all about your convenience. It's going to provide convenience beyond your wildest dreams. But once again, a quick look at the facts reveals that an RFID-enabled global food supply system has nothing to do with giving us more convenience. It has to do about getting more of our cash. Check out the newly envisioned RFID-enabled shopping experience that was depicted by the writer of this article. Here's what she said, quote, I'm in a supermarket called the Extra Future Store in Rheinberg, Germany, jonesing for a bit of Philadelphia cream cheese. I feed my request into the chut screen console on my shopping cart, and up pops a map showing the optimal path to the dairy section. I steer over and grab a box, regular in name, but far smarter than the average cream cheese. The package carries a computer chip that talks to a two millimeter thin pad lining on the shelf under the box. When I pick up the cheese, the sensor in the pad notifies the store's database that the box has been removed. I exchanged the plane for the one with herbs, then racked with indecision, snagged the low-fat version. It turns out it's not really all that low-fat anyhow, so I put it back down. Well, my waffling will produce a flurry of data back at Kraft Food headquarters. The company, which gets this information in return for subsidizing the smart shelf and the microchips attached to the packages, will use the data to analyze my behavior. The marketing department will likely draw some kind of conclusion from my skittishness, a hint that maybe low-fatness is too spartan of a theme, for a hedonistic schmear anyway. Uh, of course, they'll also have some serious insight into my personal shopping habits. Well, back in the aisles, antennas suspended from the ceiling track my position, and a server beams information about specials to my cart's console. The prices on the 35,000 remote-controlled LCD labels flickering on the shelves, listen, rise or fall each night with inventory levels. Throw that 10 pack of juice box into the cart when there's still two pallets in the back room and it could cost you a buck 99. But you show up on a Saturday afternoon rush and you'd be looking at 253 for the same uh, juice box. After choosing a bottle, they go on to say of Pantene shampoo. Uh, by the way, P&G will be interested to know that I opted for the smooth and variety only after picking up a different bottle first. She said, I made my way to the DVD section. I pick up off the shelf a German dub version of There's Something About Mary and hold the RFID package up to a video kiosk. The movie trailer starts to play and I chuckle as Cameron Diaz answers the door sporting a hairstyle product not sold in stores. As a rule, I loathe going to the supermarket, she says, but hey, this is actually fun. It's like a multimedia scavenger hunt. It's as though the store is reaching out to me entertaining me and yes taking my money a produce kiosk equipped with a uh, uh, digicam and identification software prints price stickers for fruits and veggies based on size color and shape stop right there you talk about micromanaging profits each individual piece of fruit on its individual weight is is priced folks this is what it's leading to it's about the cash for the companies and corporations let's continue on another kiosk Regards a bottle of wine, tells me the appellation, suggests accompanying dishes, and compares vintages. Best of all, once the store becomes RFID saturated, I'll be able to breeze out to my car without breaking stride. A scanner, listen, will read the tags in my cart and debit my bank account. 
folks once again go back to the premise of what was warned nearly 2,000 years ago. One guy is going to be able to control and monitor the whole planet, literally down to what you can buy and sell. And this is what this technology does. It tracks items, it tracks you and I, stores information, and makes financial transactions. Whoever grabs control of that system literally controls what you buy and sell. It's all an RFID, and it's already being implemented right now. Let's continue on, though. It says this. She said, it's just going to be like an, a, a shopping floor easy pass. And she says, I just hope the bag boy can keep up. Now, folks, for those of you who think that uh, they're really not planning on this kind of continual marketing and continually monitoring of you and I while we shop in the store with RFID tags, check out this next promotional video straight from the companies themselves. It's simply called The Future Store. Check this out. Right, folks, welcome again to the Future Store. And this is what you're going to have now. You're going to have a virtual tour of the Future Store, and you're going to see it in action. Now, hopefully, you're not actually flying into the store like this with some sort of a helicopter. That would be quite dangerous. But that's right. This is just computer animation, so don't freak out. But as you can see, it's a nice, clean environment. Uh, everything's quite sterile with RFID, apparently. And you're going to come, and you're going to have what's called a Future Card, and it's going to be able to identify you. Now, by the way, you know they don't need that card. Uh, they can just scan the items on your clothing. But that's right, you use your card with RFID-enabled technology, and it says, hello, Miss Weber, it knows you automatically. Welcome to the Future Store. That's right, and we're here to help you out, not just to identify you, but here comes your loyalty bonus system, remember that from last time, or your electronic shopping list, and we'll tell you exactly where the stuff's at. And so the shopping cart actually becomes what they're calling the personal shopping assistance, where they know everything about you, your buying habits, what you need, and that's right, I will now guide you through the store. That's right. And it's, they're calling it the individual reacting store. But as you can see, it's a special offer. But that special offer, as we saw last time, is catered to your buying habits. Smart store, the store reacts to the customer's needs. As we saw before, uh-uh, you're going to get a specialized price based on your income and your buying habits. But that's right. Just in case you don't uh, buy the products that we want, we're going to put these commercials. These are called the uh, terminals that they're going to have around. It's basically what it is, is a, a commercial. Uh, and so they ask you, and how did they know she was interested in wine? Hmm, interesting. And so they're asking her, you know, would you like this or like that? And she says, no, I'm not really interested in the Chardonnay. I want to try something different. So they come to this next uh, red wine here, and it's on sale, you, so you think. And she says, yeah, I'm interested in that. And they know it, too. Uh, and so she says, I need to find the location. And so they're going to have these things called everywhere displays, okay? And that's going to tell you everywhere this stuff is. Uh, to make, and really that's what it is. It's an advertising display. It's a literal computer uh, a screen there. It's just a, a little television screen uh, showing you a commercial, making sure that you uh, uh, complete the deal there. It's only, only $5.99. Well, she's a good consumer who's been manipulated, and so she says, yes, I need that. But that's right, not before letting it be scammed and put in the smart card. And so she thinks she just got a wonderful deal, so she's going to continue to shop. And now she needs some cereals, that's right. But where in the world are they? Well, hey, in RFID world, we're going to tell you exactly where they're at. You can see that they're being tracked. Not only is she being tracked, but she's being uh, told exactly where to go to yet another aisle full of smart shelves. Now, notice the cereal aisle, and every aisle in the whole store has one. Look at those. Those are price tags that are electronic. They're called electronic shelf labeling. As you're going to see with your very eyes, the price just changed just like we saw. And it's not just a special price uh, with a great deal. 
it is catered specifically to her income and her buying habits and so she thinks she's getting a deal and by the way you saw it with your own eyes the price is no longer static yeah that's some scary copy and that's some really pukey cookies uh, if you got RFID all of them but anyway that's my personal opinion so she's going to continue her shopping experience she's got the cereal that she thought she got a great deal on and now she's going to go to get some fruit and vegetables and she comes across these things called smart scales that's right and believe it or not folks again they are not working towards a static price they are working towards every individual item even fruit and vegetables each individual piece of fruit or vegetable will have its own individual uh, price and so it's going to be scanned it's going to be weighed and you know again each piece of fruit might have a different weight or quality to it and so it's going to get its own individual uh, specific price and of course it prints out the cost for those three apples or whatever where they are and so now it's time to check out in the future store world and as you can see bing, uh, apparently that's the sound it makes and uh, it's automatically scanned the goods and prices are registered automatically and the process is all electronic with the payment and the lady's going to push the button to confirm and there's your receipt and that's a wonderful time in the new RFID store how about you now folks once again put all this together this is a future that is coming very soon but it gives them the ability to literally control on a global scale what we can buy and sell that system is being put into place even in our food supply not just the retail industry our food supply as well this is the future that is coming that the bible warned about nearly 2000 years ago but let's continue on uh, but supposed store convenience folks that's not the only way companies are selling us a bill of goods to accept a global rfid enabled food supply so is home convenience Believe it or not, folks, they not only want to monitor and market our food purchases in the store, they want to do the same thing in our home. Why? That's right, even more of our cash, okay? And the reason why is because everybody knows, hey, that shopping in the store, that's only half the marketing story, right? I mean, if you really want to influence a person's buying decisions, then you need to back up the train all the way to the source before they even make it to the store. And believe it or not, folks, they really are planning on doing that as well. As you can see in this next video, it's called the future home check this out not just to the future store but the future home and in the future home it will have the capabilities with this tracking of RFID food all over the world an electronic shopping list and so here we see the lady and she's just trying to count some items and old mother Hubbard uh, uh, is looking at her cupboard what's missing but apparently her name is Mrs. Hanson but anyway so she uses her computer and she uses it uh, creates an electronic shopping list and it's sent via through the internet straight to the store itself and you can see here with the demonstration uh, she clicks yes and it goes to the internet and automatically stored in the store's database so when she gets there and she's recognized by the database on the old uh, smart trolley or cart there uh, once again it recognizes her and it uh, says welcome to the future store and she picks which one of these things she wants and she wants to see her electronic shopping list she created a home and well by craggy there it is the very things that she uh, typed in the computer is now on the car but that's right for those of you that aren't very computer savvy they're creating things called the smart fridge that's right uh, which is by the way short for refrigerator for those of you who need help but anyway apparently uh, what this thing does folks uh, is it automatically keeps an electronic list and look at this you can see how it scans the contents uh, continuously and tells you automatically with the list display there on the outside of the refrigerator of the products that are out of stock or uh, getting close to running out of stock and again it sends 
uh, with the internet straight to the store. But not only to the store, it can be displayed on a cellular phone or on other mobile devices like a PVA. And so when you get to the store, you can do it. And as you can see, that lady's, she's walking there very confidently because, you know, she ain't going to forget nothing. And uh, the tro uh, tro trolley automatically recognizes the content there. And, uh, and away she goes. She's just, you know, getting all the other items on her shopping list. She needs some more pukey cookies there, uh, apparently, on her shopping list. And by the way, ladies, won't that be great for the husbands? They will never forget a thing in their life. Oh, that'd be awesome. And folks, what I wanted to show you with this is these people are, are serious. This is not science fiction. This is the future of the design for it. Look at some of the people involved with this. IBM, Intel, uh, some of the gold partners there, Cisco, Coca-Cola, DHL, Hewlett Packard, Johnson & Johnson, Kraft Foods, L'Oreal, Microsoft, Nestle, Oracle, uh, Phillips, Procter & Gamble. We're talking some big people. Oh, Visa? Why would they be interested? Well, somebody's got good finances. A bit at no, ABT, you've got Avery Gibbonson, you've got uh, Boston Consulting Group, you've got Checkpoint Systems, uh, you got Fujitsu, uh, you got Gillette, of course, uh, you also have uh, NCR, you got Oak Systems, you got Siemens Business Services, what are they doing? Oh, not only them, but Texas Instruments, you got Toshiba and Zebra Technologies. Sounds like a lot of people are serious about this. Now, folks, once again, this is their promotional video. And as you can see, they clearly have plans on being able to monitor all of our food products, not just in the store, but even in our home, okay? It's being sold as a, a bill of goods as convenience, but it's much more than that. And notice, folks, it's not just one company, two companies. As you saw the list there, it's a multitude of companies and corporations all around the world. This is really what they're working on. But let's continue. As you can see, folks, companies all over the world are not only very serious about monitoring and marketing our food purchases in the store for more of our money, they're heading straight for our homes as well. In fact, listen to Gillette's Vice President of Global Business Management, Dick Cantwell. He said they are looking forward to, quote, using readers to track consumers' use of products at home. He admits it. Gillette sees the technology engaged in direct consumer marketing, which would rely on personalized information obtained from readers installed where products are actually used, say in your, quote, your refrigerator. And as bad and as blatant as those motives are, folks, that's still only half the story. You see, once we allow companies to go down this invasive route, we'll actually be opening up a kind of Pandora's box. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that with this kind of technology being deployed in the food industry, it very well could eventually give others the power to tell us what we can and cannot sell. Okay, again, where we heard that before. Okay, but that's not all. The final justification they say, is, listen, you, you really need to let us do this. Because if we have RFID on all food products on the planet, it will keep your food safe. And we've all heard about those food scares recently, haven't we? Well, folks, they're using this as a tool to implement this kind of a system. Let's take a look at that justification now. You see, folks, there's only one problem with this grand scheme to invade our food supply with RFID technology. No normal person is going to roll over and let companies and governmental institutions control and monitor our food supply. So those in the industry who are pushing for this worldwide RFID-enabled food supply, they got to come up with some sort of ingenious reason to con you and I into giving them this power. And what tool throughout history has worked virtually every single time to get people to surrender their freedoms? That's right, folks. It's called fear. You see, if you create a crisis, then you can manage the outcome. And in my opinion, this is what many in the industry are using right now into getting you and I to surrender to a real, live, global monitoring of our total food supply. 
Don't believe me? Well, folks, put it all together. Maybe you've heard of some of the uh, worldwide food scares, such as the horrible mercury in fish, or the ghastly chronic wasting disease in deer, or that dreaded mad cow disease, as you can see there. Uh, and, and hey, who could forget the avian bird flu? And because of all these food security scares, not so surprisingly, a manufactured public outcry has been triggered where people now have an intense desire to know for some reason exactly what's in their food, what's being done to it, where did it come from. Uh, we need some sort of reliable tracking system to ensure the safety of our food supply. In fact, folks, this fear propaganda can be clearly seen in this next video. Let's take a look at this now. Three of these steaks, please. Three sirloin? Yeah. Certainly you can. Three steaks coming up. What's footprint? Footprint? Well, to cut a long story short, it means that you can now find out exactly where your beef came from. And all the information that's contained in your number, your unique footprint number, is on the sticker. So if I buy pre-packed pork from the chill cabinet, I know it's fully traceable. And now if I buy beef over the counter from the butcher, you can trace it back too. Exactly. So not only do you get all the usual information on weight, price, date and so on, from now on you'll be able to find out where it came from too. With footprint you're 100% assured of its traceability. For customers like yourself, it's another guarantee of super value quality. Enjoy that. I have a feeling I will. The footprint system saves us a lot of time, anywhere up to six to eight hours a week. It also cuts out the handwriting of the labels, which can be very tedious. The labels themselves are a lot clearer. They look a lot more professional. The response from the customers has been very positive. We seem to appreciate the effort and time that's gone in from Super Value. The system's a lot easier to use. It's very user-friendly. We love it here at Super Value Marine. Foodprint is the start of a massive and unique fresh food traceability system. It is an excellent incentive and well worth alerting customers to. It will work for them, and it will work for you. And it will work wonders for them to literally track all of our food items, folks. This is really what it's all about. Okay? But, folks, I mean, obviously, uh, the issue is not for our safety. Okay? Yes, while I agree that a food tracking and tracing system will probably, quote, work for us, the question I have is this. Is it really worth working for? I don't think so, folks, as you're going to see here shortly. So just how do they get this kind of tracking and tracing information of all of our food supply all the way to the store? Well, remember the phrase the companies used at the very beginning. They are working towards a global monitoring system of our total food supply from the farm to the fork. And it just so happens that a global RFID-enabled food system will allow them to do just that. In fact, here's a video demonstration of how they are using RFID technology right now to not only track our steak at the store, as you just saw, but all the way back to the exact farm and the exact cow that it came from in the first place. Let's take a look at that now. InfoLink's BeefLink software doesn't require the user to study computers for years. The patented automated data collection is as easy as setting up the information you want to collect, quickly scanning electronic identification or EID tag with AgInfoLink's tag tracker reader and having the weight and events automatically applied to the animal's record. ATL install ID is now well proven with nearly 10 years use on farms in the UK. The system shown here is a 40 stall unit with 20 cows on each side. It was equipped with install ID several years ago. All the cows have freeze brand numbers. This is an ideal way of proving the accuracy of the ATL install ID system in operation. Watch the cows entering the stalls and the numbers appearing on the control display. 
Cow number 223 is identified as soon as she enters the store. Some cows take a little longer. It depends on the orientation of the tag as they enter the store. Scan end on the control means that all 20 cows have been identified successfully. The ATL sort gate system does not impede the flow of cows. There are no half gates to stop them. The cows exit after milking in the same manner regardless of whether they are to be sorted or not. The unique Pegasus triple axis portal antenna was designed to capture the HDX or flex tag while cattle are moving along races. There are no holes in the antenna where the tag cannot be read. It can be read in any orientation anywhere within the volume of the antenna and it is impossible to pass a working tag through it without it being read. So as you can see folks they're clearly using this technology uh, to track and monitor animals and of course the example there was with cattle. But you might be thinking well okay so what? So they're using RFID tags on uh, or implanted into animals to identify and monitor and track and and store information about them. What's so scary about that? Well folks if you recall in that video the cows were automatically identified and sorted into specific gates using RFID technology. But it doesn't appear much different when you use it on a person as you see in this next video clip. Now take a look at this. Keep in mind folks what we just saw with the cow going through the gate. Now here's somebody without an RFID device. Uh oh bad cow, bad cow, you don't have the RFID tech, you cannot enter. But that's right, in this new world of tracking folks with RFID, let's see if he can become a good cow, a person with an RFID tag. Well, looky there. He can enter without any problem. He's a good cow with an RFID tag. And folks, believe it or not, that's really what they want you and I to be. Just good cows doing whatever we're told to do, going wherever we want or they want us to go. Okay? But you might be asking yourself, okay, so what's the big deal? Okay? The folks, the point is this. If you compare the two videos, there's not much of a difference in animalistic treatment whether you use RFID tags on cows or on people. And again, you might be saying, oh, okay, so the, the treatment and behavior looks a little similar to animals, so what? What's the big deal? Well, folks, here's the issue. Could it be that we are being conditioned to open yet another kind of Pandora's box? You see, if you're going to get people used to the idea of receiving an implant themselves, just like the book of Revelation talks about with the Mark of the Beast, then wouldn't it make sense to implement a kind of phase one, if you will, and try it out on animals first? So that once people get used to that and conditioned to that, maybe phase two will kick in the gear and, and then people themselves will be more willing to be treated like cattle and receive an implant too. And then as we saw earlier, what better way to get the whole process started than to use fear into scaring people into this kind of submission. In fact, folks, those fear tactics for implementing phase one, they're already in high gear. For those of you who may not know, due to all these supposed global food supply scares mentioned earlier, we now have laws in place that make it, quote, mandatory for all animals to be chipped with RFID technology, whether it's McDonald's mandate demanding all its suppliers to have full traceability, remember the term, farm to the fork, of their food products, which, by the way, many are calling McDonald's global food supply mandate as a significant push for the acceptance of RFID as Walmart's mandate that has been on the retail suppliers. 
or whether it's the U.S. Bioterrorism Act to keep records on the entire food supply chain, or whether it's the Wisconsin Premises Registration Act that requires anyone raising livestock to register their premises regardless the kind or size of operation, or the stated goal of the Agri-Food of Canada to have all food products, including animals, folks, tagged and monitored, or even whether it's the USDA's here in America, new national animal identification system that will require every single agriculture animal in the nation be equipped with an identification device through which its movement can be traced from birth to slaughter. Once again, there's that term, from the farm to the fork. They're using all these scares to accomplish that goal. And folks, you need to understand, this means any location where animals are kept are to be registered with the government, and all animals are to be registered with the government as well. Okay, And the stated purpose of the program is to enable the government within 48 hours to trace the source of a faulty, quote-unquote, animal food product. And what you need to know is the program is not limited to just the big guys, the commercial producers. It includes the, quote, half-dozen chickens at Grandma's house. And believe it or not, her premises and each chicken must be registered with the government as the program now stands. In fact, the pet parakeet, because it's an animal too, in a cage on a 20th floor of a condo in Miami Beach, for example, must also be registered along with the premises, quote, and there are no exceptions. Unless you think, folks, this will not cover the whole food supply, the stated goal of the industry is to have 900 billion food items and 824 million livestock all tagged, all tracked, all monitored with RFID by 2015. So folks, it looks to me like the scare tactics about the supposed safety of our food supply really is working like a charm to get you and I used to the idea of having every single food item on the planet tracked and monitored with RFID. And folks, if that wasn't bad enough, believe it or not, the same fear tactics are already being used for phase two, in other words, for humans. Believe it or not, folks, people are already being conditioned out of fear into getting used to the idea of having themselves monitored and tracked at all times using RFID technology just like an animal. And this can be clearly seen in this next propaganda video. Let's take a look at that. Companies and consumers alike spend millions of dollars on security and surveillance systems to protect their home, office, and business properties. Yet the most important asset is people. De Dong Huan of Accenture Technology Labs envisioned the future of personal security and developed the Virtual Security Services prototype, which provides real-time, on-the-spot micro-security services. This prototype combines web-enabled surveillance cameras with mobile devices, miniature cameras, and global positioning system to provide seamless protection for individuals when and where they need it. Imagine that you are leaving your downtown office. It's dark and you don't want to walk to your car alone. At the simple touch of a button on your PDA, you request a virtual security escort. The system lists service providers that are available at that location and meet your criteria for price and reputation. Hi, my name is Mark from Crown Security. Where are we headed today? I'm leaving my office and heading five blocks to the parking lot. Very good. You're in my site now, and I'll be in contact with you the whole way. Thanks. 
How does this work? A GPS receiver on the customer's PDA provides her real-time location. The security service can then quickly locate all security cameras situated near the customer and activate them as she is walking by. They can even look ahead on the route to make sure that it's safe before asking her to proceed. I'll wait until you lock your door and start your car. Have a good evening. Thanks. If there were a threatening situation, either the customer or the security service would be able to activate a loud voice warning and immediately contact law enforcement. Accenture Technology Labs believes that the prototype could also be used to ensure the safety of children and the elderly. Businesses can use it to remotely monitor assets as they travel through the supply chain. These services can even be revenue-generating opportunities for security firms or local law enforcement agencies that want to generate revenue by connecting off-duty officers with people who want short-term protection. Virtual Security Services is an example of leveraging the ever-expanding digital world to deliver new services into the physical world, wherever they might be needed. Accenture calls this reality online, and it's all being made possible with smaller, cheaper, and more ubiquitous sensors and cameras as well as the proliferation of web services and related internet standards that help connect service providers with customers in new and creative ways. Well, folks, don't you feel safer already? Uh, has the fear gone out of you, allowing them to track and monitor us at all times with this RFID technology? Folks, this is really what they're working towards. But let's continue on. New and creative ways is right, as you mentioned on the videos, new and creative ways to be tracked, as you just saw. But for those of you who still can't see the connection to use implanted RFID technology to first track animals, phase one, and then track people, phase two, then maybe this interview with Digital Angel CEO's Kevin McGrath will help you out. Believe it or not, folks, he not only admits the existence of both phases, but he assures that the full implementation of phase two is coming very soon. Let's take a look at that now. RFID technology to track everything from pets to humans. We'll have more from the CEO of Digital Angel when Forbes.com Video Network returns. Welcome back, I'm Tara Murphy. Chips that contain RFID technology allow you to track everything from humans to pets to airplanes. Digital Angel is one of the companies that manufactures such chips. Joining me now is Kevin McGrath. Mr. McGrath is the president and CEO of Digital Angel. Kevin, thanks for being here. Sure, it's my pleasure. So why don't you start by telling me how these chips exactly work? Well, it's an RFID chip, and everybody knows about RFID. You use RFID, you think about it with, in terms of Walmart and pallets and boxes moving around. We have uh, developed an expertise for using RFID with animals and humans. So. Um, we have probably chipped more animals in the world than all the other companies combined. Um, we chip uh, cats and dogs in the United States and Europe and Japan. We chip, believe it or not, salmon in the upper northwest. Uh, we, we chip uh, uh, livestock. We put, put uh, RFID chips into ear tags that go on the side of livestock. In fact, we're the second largest livestock tagging company in the United States, and we're the oldest livestock tagging company in the United States. The applications are numerous. So we see so many great uses of RFID technology. When do you think we're going to start to see a greater penetration? Well, um, on a number of different fronts. First of all, on the uh, companion pet front, we're, we do a million, uh, we chip a million pets a year in the United States and two million uh, uh, pets a year in Europe. So that's, that's big. It's going to get much bigger. Um, with regard to uh, livestock, uh, 
uh, people have heard about the National ID program, the mad cow scare, and making certain all the, the uh, animals, all the livestock are tagged. I would guess you will start to see major uh, increases in the amount of RFID tagging over the course of 2006 and 2007. Our business has tripled in that arena, but it can go up by a factor of 10. With regard to humans, humans is, a, is the area that is moving the slowest in many respects simply because it's the area, the, obviously, from a privacy perspective, we all have the most concerns about. Mm -hmm. But right now, as we speak, we're in clinical implementation in nine hospitals in the Northeast Corridor. Our goal is 25 hospitals by the end of the year. Our goal is every single major trauma center in the United States by the end of 2000. Folks, as you can see, somebody's obviously not only planning on using RFID uh, technology to monitor and control all the food in the world, but it looks like you put all this together, it really could be the precursor to tracking all the people in the world as well. It all fits together, it all ties together. And notice what was their uh, uh, tool to get the job done. It's called fear. It's a classic tool they use all the time. If you can't get people to buy into this out of convenience, then scare them into it. Create a crisis so you can manage the outcome. Works every single time, okay? But the question is, put all this together. Where's all this headed? Well, folks, I think if you recall the opening verse, Revelation chapter 13, it's very clear this technology for the first time in mankind's history really is paving the way for the actual mark of the beast that was prophesied nearly 2,000 years ago. As you saw all the information in this documentary, RFID is not only designed, listen, to be put on the outside of things, on the outside of products, but the ultimate goal is to use it to be put on people, in fact, inside of people, to be able to track them as well. This one technology gives you the ability for the first time in mankind's history to actually pull off the mark of the beast. It allows you to store information, it allows you to track whatever it's on, and it allows you at the same time, all on this one technology, to make financial transactions as well, i.e., just like Revelation 13 says, to buy and sell with this marking technology. It's everything that is needed to pull off the mark of the beast for the first time in mankind's history. And that's why I believe, to answer the question we proposed at the beginning, RFID, it is not mankind's greatest uh, invention. It really is the precursor to the mark of the beast, which means if you're watching this documentary right now and you're not safe, there's never come a point in time when you have specifically asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of all your sins. You're, you're not trusting in his work, his sacrifice on the cross to get you to heaven. You need to do that now. You need to get saved, as the Bible would say. Okay? You need to do that. There is no time to waste. The mark of the beast, folks, as you just saw, is about to be unleashed on this planet, and you do not want to be here. Call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior before it's too late. Thank you for joining us. I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin 
or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins 
and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day, that you're still alive. God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? 
Doing business like a CEO while saving like a CFO. Staples has all the supplies you need to run your business like a boss at prices that'll make your bookkeeper smile. Now that is an achievement. Everything from markers and pens to 2019 desk calendars. And right now, a 12-pack of Sharpie markers and an 8-pack of Expo dry erase markers are only $4.99 each. At Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. Ends one nineteen nineteen in store only.